but I think that was a good example with Stefan is like he he's like at the time he was probably the number one player I learned from because he thought so different to me you know and when we were talking together like we were playing zoom 500 and you you have to imagine it's like we're both crushing it but like from totally different angles uh, when we talked about a hand you know like he, he was just always like, yeah, you know, kind of the optimal play, probably something like this mathematically. And I'm just like, yeah, but the guy never has it, you know? Hey guys, it's Runchux, and today we're talking with Fedor Holtz. We discuss how he became one of the best poker players in the poker tournament world, how he built his team, how he strives for more. Fedor also shares some of his mental game tips and tricks, and there's so much more. This episode first aired in April on YouTube, we have over 30 episodes there already, and some of them are not available on podcast platforms just yet. So if you're interested, go and search Runchex Poker on YouTube and check out the podcast episodes playlist. Enjoy! And we're live! All right, guys, super exciting episode today. We have Fedor Holtz um, with us. Uh, Fedor, hi. So great to have you hi. here. Thanks for having me. All right, so today, so many topics I want to discuss with you, um, and they are all around basically the way you found the success, the way you imagined that you can do it, you know, your tremendous self-belief, the way you arranged or gathered a team around yourself, and in general, your approach. You know, I, I think there's so much everybody can learn from that. You know, in many ways, you innovated the approach of you know how to achieve success in poker so these are the broad topics and um well sh well uh, where shall we start <laughs> um you know the first thing that comes to mind because we had uh stefan on the podcast a few weeks ago and I he saw said some of it. right awesome yeah. and he said one thing which i found really fascinating I, I was thinking like whenever i have you on i really want you to ask your opinion on this because stefan said something along the lines of that you was the one who sort of arranged the team right you picked the people sort of you know and you were the one who basically made the whole team click. And by team, I'm of course mean all, all the other German crew guys that, that you had, Stefan, uh, Dominic, Ben CB, um, you know, all, all the others. Mm -hmm. How do you reflect on that? Like building this team, how did it happen? Was it deliberate? Um, so it was, less of a super well thought through master plan and more of just something I enjoy doing. And in the process, I didn't even realize how unique it was compared to how I look backwards. Actually, I want to give credit to the, the crew, um, which is maybe getting a bit forgotten now, but like the first German crew before us you know there was kind of a generation of germans before us they practiced a similar togetherness a similar approach so it was like fabian kwas rankemeyer um phil grusem koganov um nick um there were like a couple people you know they were traveling like they were crushing online they were traveling the 
the high roller scene it was mostly maybe like you know the um my first years and like a couple of years before that so the more golden times um that they were like crushing big time too and um i think what was different in my case was that the era i started playing in was mostly online and it was tougher so when we were playing mid stakes um black friday already happened so there were no americans no soft games or like less soft games and so our approach was just more the internet kids who um have to fight a little harder and i think the selection was a bit harder too and um and there were less of these random come up stories of you know you just satellite into a tournament and you win a million dollars and then from there like just didn't exist you know there was no there, these tournaments didn't exist anymore the prize pools were smaller the tournaments were tougher um so overall there were less these money maker stories and more just grinders who grinded their way up and then uh just through continuous good play amassed a decent bankroll um and continue to improve and continue to play higher so for me personally what what um i think my unique approach was i always i never was the grinder to just sit down and like um grind 60 hours a week and do that for two years like this was not something i really enjoyed um i always loved the the game and the progress of improving in a game and so the biggest part for me is is also to to learn the game so i want to talk to other people about how they do it and and see their perspective and and especially like both weaker players better players top players like i, I don't doesn't matter it's just about for me it's really a lot about this interaction and i think what i generally have is a good intuition for um a high level like a level of energy so does this fit together is this synergetic or um does this you know do these different people like do they work well together and so i was just super active in forums like back then there were german forums and like then poker strategy and then a bit of 2 plus 2 and i was just constantly interacting with people and picking out people um to then communicate with them over hands and then most of it happened via skype so i had like probably a couple hundred people i was in touch with irregularly and then you know 20 30 people i was chatting to regularly and then um out of these like there was this core group of people that i talked to like probably 2 3 4 hours a day so it was really intense uh collaboration on that level and that's how the team team formed mm very interesting you know what i find especially interesting here cuz it's always easy to do something that's already been done you know when somebody runs a 4 minute mile or something like that then everybody knows okay it can be done so that's our new goal let's train for that you know before the way you approached the study process and the before the way you approached a poker career as as such you know there were not many examples i mean you've mentioned obviously this this group of live uh, players from germany that were doing sort of the same thing you know but it wasn't so um well known right so 
Yeah. If we if we think about it, like a general poker player, you know, approaches poker in a way that pretty much puts them in a rat race, right? You you basically go into this routine of, like you said, playing sixty hours a week, you know, and just let's go and let's continue, and that's that's what we're doing here, right? So make to make a decision of actually doing completely something different, you know, that that is. That's incredible to me, you know, because now it wouldn't be surprising. I mean, there's so many other teams sprouting up, you know, and so many other people try to follow your footsteps. But before you lay the footsteps, you know, you sort of have to kind of arrive at the conclusion that, listen, I, I left poker. I love to study the game. I don't want to play 60 hours a day. I'm going to improve and I'm going to become the best I can. But where does the belief of you know, I can be one of the best. Where does it come from? Um, I never, to be honest, and I can't remember really formulating this belief. So it was mostly to me in the beginning, I think the reason why, why I grew so much. So the first one, two years I was struggling, but then the, the one, two years after that, when I had a foundation, when, when I found my environment, um, and when I started playing mid and high stakes online, I think the thing that really propelled me forward is I don't think so much as, um, results in terms of how most other people think about it. So for me, it's this feeling of growth that I really was chasing and this I could only achieve by getting better. And so it wasn't so much as like, I want to be the best as more like I want to have that feeling of getting better. So it's not, you know, it's not the same. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't want to be the best for the sake of being the best. I just wanted to become better like every day, every week, every month. And then the result after three years, four years of that was, I was suddenly, I was the best. So, so it was more about like when I, I was sitting there and I was like, I, I want to know how I can improve playing this hand. So I was looking for a solution is how can I, how can I get input? And then I was like, okay, I can, I was thinking, it's like, how can I, you know, get more input? And then I posted it on forums and I send it to people on Skype and I talked to friends here. I play, I played here with, and I talked to my roommate and I, um, started to calculate stuff and I was, you know, like I, I was exploring all different options, how I can achieve that growth. And so I wasn't, I didn't care so much about, about the, the norm. Like I didn't care about the guys. Like I saw a lot of people around me just grinding. Um, but that wasn't a thing that I enjoyed. So I was like, okay, I want to do that. And I focus on, improving and then that was tougher in the beginning because i played less and therefore i had um had less short-term results but in the long term it was significantly better for me and i think also for the people around me mm -hmm. all right so basically the approach of you know orienting on the process on on your own growth as as in you know you're not so focused on how it looks like from outside or what's the bigger goal of like i have to be the best but more like how you feel about growing every day and fulfilling yourself uh, this way. 
and these two things mix, right? Like it, it was also, I also cared about how it looked from the outside, mm-hmm. but in a different way. Um, I, for a long time, the, the financial thing wasn't such a clear. So like a, a lot of people I see who, who make, you know, they get to a point, they make four or 5,000 euros a month and then they settle with that. And it's totally fine. But this was never a thought for me. There was never a point where I reached, you know, like making 10K a month. And I was just like, oh, like this is more than I need. You know, this is this is it. I'm going to settle with this. I'm going to grind 40 hours a week and like, I'm good. There, not even a thought. I wasn't even, you know, there was not even ever a thought. I was like, I was so focused on, okay, how do I move forward? How do I go from here to the next step? And I don't mean that in a way of like, I was continuously just, you know, focused on personally growing. It was also a chase. It was also like, it's not good enough. Where I'm at is not good enough. So it's this mixture of the part that I really enjoy, the part that I, that where I learn and I'm, I'm creative and that I love. And there's also this part of the, this continuous drive of not feeling like, it's good enough. I'm not good enough. I need to go further. I need to push harder. So, so this kind of both together, um, it interacted, you know, so it's not, it's not just one or the other. Mm -hmm. And when you started playing live tournaments, you know, especially going into the high roller scene for the first time, how did that come about? Like, how did you think, okay, what I'm doing in terms of studies is really going to benefit me the most by playing these uh, super high roller events i mean i think that was also an approach that showcased out of this out of my mentality this materialized in how i approach live poker so i always played higher than i than i probably should have um and not in terms of my own bankroll also in my own bankroll but like i was trying to you know i was when I when I reached, um, let's say, when I had, you know, zero, I wanted to, or like, I thought I was a decent player. I was selling action to EPT. I wanted to play EPT. This was in 2013. I remember, you know, I played EPT Monte Carlo. Like, I, I sold lots of action to that, but I just wanted to play. I just want to, you know, feel how it is. Can I beat that? Can I perform there? Then, so it was always in these steps, like, building my way up i wasn't able to play it but i wanted to find a way so i sold action to friends i sold action to my network Um, i just wanted to make it happen then you know this goes up in steps so the next is my first 10k high roller um i remember playing you know a 7k high roller in the caribbean with igor kurganov uh meyer uh fabian kwas and philip grissom you know, like at that time, these were like the four high roller cr- playing all the hundred Ks, like crushing high stakes. Um, so I was shaking playing that. And this was my, you know, this, I just pushed, I just pushed harder. I wanted to like, I want to play this. I know this is not EV, you know, everyone else would be like, okay, why are you playing this? I'm like, no, I want to, I want to play against them. I want to improve. I want to learn. And so I played that. And then I, I, the first big step into the Harlers, um, I have to send a big thank you there to Johnny and the crew is like, I was looking to sell action to Harlers. I was like, I, I think I'm ready. I think this was 2014. And I was like, 
I want to, you know, I want, I want to get in the game. I want to play at the big stakes. Um, because I think at that time in 2014, I think I was at my absolute peak. Like I was on all areas. Solvers weren't really a thing. Um, but just from my theoretical knowledge at that time, my, um, my exploits feeling for how players were playing. I just felt like at that time, if I look at my online graphs, I think I was running like over a huge sample with like a hundred percent ROI or something. I was just, I think it was just absolute berserking the games and, um, and I just wanted to, to play higher. And so, um, and improve and like see how that is, you know, because there's apparently there's this big life hierarchy thing that like everyone's playing, but like, I'm not part of it. And I think at the time I was, probably 20 like i think i just turned 20 um like 1920 and um so i sold action to my first 25k and um i remember that very lively because i sold action to a couple 25ks and uh, i busted i think the first 10 or 11 bullets um like consecutive like just different tournaments and i was like i you know I was so I was so results oriented in these. I was like, I can't beat them. Like something's going wrong. I'm not good enough. They're like, they're better than me. But like these guys, the German hirelers, they um, like a crew around. His name is Johnny, um, and he yeah, they put me in and they bought my action. And that was really important. A really important step for me to like um, get that, you know, get that experience, get in the game, and like start start playing these higher stakes and then through that i kind of brought in um the other guys because i was like guys at some point i was like you know this is it this is dream like this is this is the opportunity we got to get in right now because we can crush this if we if we give our best mm. yeah i remember stefan was saying that you know you were literally pushing him and, and saying like <laughs> stefan you have to come here and play this right now I, and he was it, thinking like but how, what are you talking about i i am not ready i i can't do it and like you're gonna crush it but it's true because you know i was at that point where i think i think i i'm good at seeing opportunities you know i i think um i have a good like gut feeling around that of just like, you know, where I can't even quantify it. It's just sometimes it's not even only financially, it's just in different ways, you know, the same way I have a gut feeling for reads. I've always had a good feeling for something is pulling me in that direction, you know? So it's, it's when I play against an opponent, it's just this thing that pops up in my mind is like, I want to do this, you know, and I can't explain what, it, why I can, I try and I try to rationalize it, but at that time, it was the same. It just felt like I got to get in these games. And when I was playing the games, I was like, these, like my friends have to play these games because this is, this is the heaven right now, you know? And for them in their mindset, it was like 25Ks was like, you know, so absurd. But if they play a Super Tuesday, it's no problem, you know? So um, I think these 25Ks were softer. Um and you could make way more uh, money and, you know, like get into totally different stakes, like 50Ks, 100Ks. Um, and these these tournaments were just super soft. Like nobody was, none of these players who played there were online crushers, like just a handful. Um, lots of live players, lots of fish. So it was amazing times. And I think um, this push, I think, um, this I think was one of my things that I brought into the group is like constantly opening up new opportunities and pushing people towards their, towards reaching their, their limits and exploring new territory. 
Absolutely. I mean, it really looks th this way to me because, you know, I mentioned the rat race in the beginning. So many yeah. people just get stuck in in a sort of predefined career. Let's let's call it this way. You know, they would they would choose they would say, okay, I'm a hold'em cash game player, and that's it. That defines them. They d they don't seek other opportunities. They don't go out and and seek other uh, avenues. You know, and even if to think like for an online tournament player, like you said, you you can play Super Tuesday and you feel like, oh, absolutely crushing it. It's great. At the same time, you would have this barrier of not even asking the question of how about that 25k? You know, how about that 100k? How about that one drop? You know, because it's just not something that people are used to, you know? They just put themselves in, in brackets and they don't try to sort of push the boundaries, push the the limits in a way. But I think that was a good example with Stefan. Is like, he he's, like, at the time, he was probably the number one player I learned from because he thought so different to me, you know? And when we were talking together, like, we were playing Zoom 500 and... You, you have to imagine it's like we're both crushing it, but like from totally different angles. Um, when we talked about a hand, you know, like he, he was just always like, yeah, you know, kind of the optimal play, probably something like this mathematically. And I'm just like, yeah, but the guy never has it, you know? And, <laughs> uh, and it's just watching this conversation because I think it expanded our horizon in both ways. Like on the one side that he started questioning his frameworks, his, his beliefs, his ideas, and explored new perspectives and, and opened his mind. And on the other side that I just fundamentally became a lot more sound and like that his very, very structured thought process helped me to get more substance to like these, these feelings that I have um, and this intuition. And so I think, I mean, this is just one example of a collaboration. And then now imagine, you know, you add in six, seven, eight other perspectives and you just get this variety of, of um, input that leads to this amazing outcome. So, yeah, definitely big. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in any group, obviously, the synergy that is created by people with different opinions, people with different approaches is huge. You know, you don't want to be in a group where everybody just agrees on the same things and validates their their same beliefs, you know, because you guys don't grow as a group. So yeah, that was that was definitely a great part of the team that you sort of was part of or actually probably assembled in a way, you know, it's, uh, it's great to see you. But one thing that I'm curious about, you know, so many people study a lot, right? Studying a lot is not a new thing. It's not a big thing. Everybody does it, or a lot of people do it. But the transition between the knowledge, so you can gain the knowledge theoretically in studies, mm -hmm. but to apply it at the poker table in real time when you have to, you know, limited time uh, and you have to make the decision based on all the studies, I think that's where you also excel at a pretty good level in, in a way of, you know, how you structure your decision-making process and how you structure your study process in, in such a way that you get information that you can practically execute. How did, like, did you, what, did it come naturally to you or did you sort of develop this, this process uh, along the way? Um, I think most things in life are practice. And um, 
I also believe that a lot of things, if you're good at something, most of the time you've practiced it without really knowing that you did. So like consciously knowing. So when I look at poker, what I see is, yeah, of course, I haven't played poker before I was 16 or 17. But the things, the skills that I need in poker, I've been practicing since I was a little kid. You know, like I was constantly solving problems. I loved thinking about geometry, about um, chess, about I loved playing games. I played strategy games. I played lots of computer games. Like, you know, I was constantly exposed to the idea of solving a puzzle, of, of finding patterns, of um, finding logics um, or, or like of... Um, extrapolation so like um adapting in different situations so like this flexibility this mental flexibility this this capacity to be able to abstract from one concept to another concept um i think that's what i've been like enjoying and practicing a big part of my life so um yeah i think i have a natural gravitation towards it um uh, maybe a natural ability, but I've also been practicing it way more than most other people. So, so I think this kind of plays together. Um, and yeah, I don't think it's either, or I don't think you're just, you know, it's just like this and that's it. So I think practice always, always plays a big role. Mm -hmm. All right. One thing that I'm also pretty curious about is, you know, you're pretty famous, in in a sense of you know advocating the importance of mental game and advocating yeah. the importance of balance in life uh, and all of these things which sort of sets you apart from many other people who you know go full all in 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 the poker field and then it's just that the 60 hour weeks every week of the year no holidays etc cetera, etc cetera. whereas you're you're very vocal about you know how important these things are taking breaks uh, having balance and, and all the other things you know famously you work a lot with the mental game coach mm -hmm. uh, do you want to expand on the topic of um, you know the mental game and how important it is and, and the balance sure so i'm i i think it's very important to differentiate i'm not saying that everyone needs to take breaks that everyone needs to work with a mental coach what i'm saying is that i I've experienced that I've been pushing myself to, to do something that I didn't want to do. I've been pushing myself oftentimes to grind when I didn't want to grind. I've been pushing myself to play live when I didn't want to play live. And, um, and what does that mean? Didn't want to, right? So most of the time it was that I felt I need to play this because it's valuable. And that's more a construct, right? It's this, it's this, it's the, like, let's say the financial side or the success side. And there's this, this idea and this high score and, and I need to improve this high score. But then it's conflicting with this inner feeling of what do I want, right? Like, so t looking at the bigger picture and like taking everything into consideration, what do I feel like doing? And this oftentimes then conflicted with each other. And whenever I prioritized the high score over this inner feeling, I felt disturbance. 
So I, f- I wasn't happy. I was like, um, it, it showed in different ways. You know, I, w- I was less motivated. I played worse. I just had less fun overall. Um, and, and what I'm saying is I think the exploration of this is extremely important because I think that when you follow what you want to do, then you're happy. And I think now most of the arguments that come is like, yeah, but you can't always do what you want. It's like, okay, yes. But I, for me, it's, um, my aspiration is to be able to do as much of what I want as I can. Right. So, um, when I was 18, I could do less of what I want. Um, but then I started to continuously do more of what I want to be able to do even more of it. And it's just putting this work toward that is that's what I'm advocating for is to don't think about it binary of like, either you do what you want or you don't do what you want, but, but to think about it as it's a continuous process where I want to put my energy towards being as free as I can, like being as much in the flow as I can doing as many of the things where I feel like I'm exactly in the right place in the right moment right now. And that's why I work with Elliot because it helps me reflect on how did this feel? How did it feel to play right there and to prepare me also of like, being in the moment right there and, and, and focusing this energy or like streamlining this energy. So um, I can see a big difference when I'm, when I play, when I'm in the, like I remember tournaments, I felt like I could, you know, see in there, like inside of them, (laughs) you know, when I was totally in sync, when I was, you know, an absolute of my, the top of my game, I felt like I, I knew their cards. I mean, in a very extreme sense now, but I was so, I was so dialed in, you know, 13 hours, no problem. I didn't get tired. I was, I was there like, and I was playing my absolute best. And when I wasn't, then I played terrible and I just wanted to, you know, get up and leave, but I, I stayed. So that's why I think that the difference between these two states is absolutely massive. And I think it's in everything. I think everything you do in life if you are, and that's the thing I'm aspiring, I want to be in this state of flow, in this state of, of power um, or energy. And um, that's what I'm working towards. And I've realized in poker that I've been there a lot of times and I really enjoyed that, but I've also been in that state of, I need to do this right now. Or I need to make money or I need to play this game to make money or to, you know, make more points or whatever um, because it's profitable Um, and to focus on the things that I really want to do. That's something that is very, very important to me. Mm -hmm. So interesting that, you know, the way you describe these things, everything makes so much sense. And yet so many people who are playing professionally poker, um, theoretically they have all the freedom they're free to choose what they do with their day. They're free to choose how they spend uh, their time. They're free to choose the path that they're going to take. Yet, so many people just fall into the same sort of you know tracks and just keep going without questioning, um, you know, what do they really want to do? Whether they're doing it just because they're chasing the score, you know, chasing the high score, or 
just because you know that's the only thing they can think of doing. So mm -hmm. this self uh, self reflection is definitely such an important part. I think for anybody who's playing poker, especially people who don't have a team around them, you know, because in a team you might have somebody who's just going to snap you out of it. You know, ask you a question like, "Hey, what? Why you keep doing this? You know, why you play?" You know, yeah, 60 hours a week, you know, you, you look like shit, you, you need a break, you know, right? But a lot of people obviously don't have a group and I strongly advocate, you know, having a group and not necessarily only a group of other poker players, you know, but just a group of people that help you reflect on what you're doing and help you, you know, put a perspective on things. If you don't have a, that group, then having self-reflection is just such a core uh, thing without which you know so many people just burn out by you know being stuck at the mid stakes or the low stakes and just spinning the wheels over and over again until it's just too much okay. i remember there was a story that you took like a prolonged break uh like a five five month break or something like that to, to, to go around the world um can you expand on that because like i'm if I remember correctly, the story was that, you know, you were working really hard on your game. You were playing a lot. And at one point you just realized this is too much. I'm burning out. I need a break. And instead of, you know, going to the cinema and uh, going like for a weekend somewhere, you just decided, okay, I'm going to go around the world five months. Let's go. Um, it's, I've done this, like what you described, it was a bit different, but um, what you described happened at a later point too. So I've taken extended breaks four times. Um, the first time was more, was less out of, um, was a bit more desperate. So the first time um, I took a long break was in the basically January, 2013. So I was, I quit my unit like in 2012, I quit my studies. I was playing uh, staked. So two German, two German um, mid high stakes players were, were staking me and they, they saw a lot of potential in me, um, but I was performing pretty poorly. And I was also mentally not in a great state. And um, it was really taking a toll on me to like continuously, like at, in 2012, I said like the, the part where I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to play this. I'm going to grind this solidly now. I'm going to start, you know, $2 tournaments and I just want to move my way up. So I think this was the part where I was like, you know, starting to take it more professionally, like less, um, like just more strict and more disciplined. And um, so then a couple months after um, I got in touch with these guys and they started staking me for higher stakes. And so I started playing you know, $50 tournaments, like Sunday million, stuff like this. And I got into makeup um, quite deep and I had lots of deep runs, but nothing really, nothing really um, went through. And this really took a toll on my mindset. And so um, this whole combination of, you know, my surrounding is disappointed because I, or, or they're, you know, scared or, or worried, worried is the best word um, because I, I stopped studying. So I quit university and then staking didn't go well. And I was, you know, and with my friends also, I didn't, didn't interact with them much anymore. And so I was like, you know, what's, what's, you know, nothing is really working. And so I was frustrated and, and down and, um, 
And so I just felt like I need a change. I need to refresh things somehow. And it was really important. I had a, I had a um, life score in Roswadov at that time where I made some money for myself. So I had a couple thousand euros to my name, which was really, a really big relief for me at that time. And uh, so I booked a flight to South Africa on the, I think, 1st of January or something like that. Um, because I just wanted, I just like, I just want to get out. Um, and um, yeah, then I traveled for four or five months. I've been to South Africa, to Asia, um, traveled around in Europe. And um, that was a really, really big um really important change for me because I moved to Vienna in like four or five months later. And from then on, it just went absolute straight up. I, um, I went out of the, yeah, I think in May or June, I, I got out of the staking and then in September I had a million dollars. So it was pretty, pretty absurd rise. Wow. Yeah, pretty quick one as well. It was absolutely insane. It was like from this point, I mean, you have to imagine like in in 2013, you know, I had maybe a couple thousand dollars to my name. And then in 2014, I was playing the highest stakes, won the W Coupe Main, started playing Harold Lars. Like it was just this, I, I feel like it was a, a lot of compound stuff. It was everything, you know, adding onto each other. All the thing, all the pieces fell into their place. The people I was working with, my preparation, my game, my mental game, like playing live and online, I think also really helped me. And then I was in a great environment. I was surrounded with people who supported me. I lived in an apartment that I enjoyed. It was just, I did sports. I was healthy. I was just like, everything was coming together. And that, um, and then I got really lucky, you know, and this just, these two things, I think I was playing great. I, I was very lucky and um, I was in a great environment and it just absolutely skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I see we got a bunch of questions in, in the chat and we're going to address them in a minute. But first, I want to ask you a question about related to what you just described, you know, this uh, meteoric rise from like 2K to your name to 1 million. How did the value of money or perception of value of money change to you over time? Um, big, 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 big. So at first money had like, so when I started playing money was very important and not because money was important, but it was important to me to be independent. So I had a couple hundred euros per month that I got from like um, support basically um, being a student and um, I lived very, very cheap. I paid 125 euros for a room and I did not spend much like money on food. So this was like, you know, I was living on like two, 300 euros a month. It was like very, very cheap. And the rest I put in my online account. So you can you can imagine my life at that time. It was pretty. Um, so yeah, I got my dad actually gave me money for for uh, my driver's license, and I used that money to play online. I'm not sure I ever told him that, but um, <laughs> so I didn't. I, I made up some excuses for why I'm not doing it, but like I I spent that money on playing online too, and um, 
yeah, it was basically this this feeling that I'm incapable of being, you know, like making my own or like being dependent on something. And I just wanted to be able, you know, like if I would make, if I would be able to make a thousand euros a month or whatever, like this would have been a big game changer for me. And that was really, that I could really tell in my mindset as well. The moment I had 50,000 euros in my bank account, you know, so like 30, 40, 50,000, like it was a big change, absolutely big change. It was, I can fly wherever I want to. I can pay my rent for the next, you know, two years. I can, I don't have to worry about anything. I wasn't a big spender at that time. So it was just literally, I paid my couple hundred euros for my rent in Vienna. Um, I was just having a good time. And this, this was huge. So this first step was, was really, really, really important. Um, then it didn't really matter for a long, long time. So from there till like a million or so, it didn't really make a big difference for me. Um, it was just like, wow, now I have money, but I wasn't like, oh, this is what I'm going to do with it. It was just like, oh, wow. Uh, I have more and more and more money. And then it became more relevant because I kind of saw the next kind of thing was um, being able to buy my family a house. So I bought um, my my mother and my sisters a house, which they're living in. Um, that was a pretty, that was a big milestone for me, but also it was not comparable. So it was like, oh, this is nice. Like now they are more independent too, but it wasn't the same step as the first one. And then I think over the last three, four, five years, um, when I made a lot of money, so especially in 2016, where I cashed for like 30 million or like 30 total, so like uh, 20 in that year, um, it became like a burden. And I felt like a responsibility. Now I need to do something with that. I need to you know, invested in stuff. I need to have a return. And like, I was, I was very quantified about it. And in the last three, four years going through that process, I've realized I don't need any of that shit. Um, I don't, I'm realizing now also like my spendings are going down like significantly. I buy less, I, uh, hoard less. Like I've, I've, you know, I've done stuff. I've been partying and I've, and I, so like I spent money in a club and I bought, you know, paintings and I bought, uh, expensive clothing or whatever. And I was like, none of this really gives me anything. And I think I'm good at, at making these experiences, you know, once, twice, maybe a couple of times, but then I'm good. Like I don't need that again. And so now I'm realizing how I prefer to actually just put the resources into the things that I really care about is like, I prefer to, to, um, do something with it where I have that feeling of like, wow, something is happening. You know, when I go in the club and party, like I don't have that feeling, but when I push, um, forward, like a project that I really care about, then I do have that. Right. Or when I support people that I think are building, um, something great that I really believe in, then that's something I'm passionate about. So right now it's really shifting heavily from, from possession to just investing the resources into something that, you know, something that's dynamic, something that's changing 
improving our systems, like having a positive impact on the world. And um, yeah, that's, that's really the biggest shift in my perspective on money. So I don't need to possess that much uh, anymore. And uh, it's becoming just more of a utility that I, that I understand or that I, I think I understand quite well and that I, that I see, but I don't, I, I'm not, my self-worth is not so bound to the amount of money I have. Mm. I think that's the biggest change. Yeah. So it's very interesting. I think so important for people to hear as well, because, you know, for a lot of people, they could arrive at the same conclusion before, you know, making 30 million or something. Because to be honest, you know, this constant drive for making more and more money beyond the specific point, because there's obviously a point where money is quite valuable, right? Before you reach your independence, before you reach a certain level of security. But once you reach it, really the extra dollar is not, you know, that important. And what I see with a lot of people, you know, well, not a lot, but some people, um, who reach out to me and and then say, well, listen, I, I want to make like a million dollars playing poker this year, you know, a great goal, but why a million? Why not 5 million? Why not 100,000? Like, where's the difference? Why are we drawn to these big numbers? Like, have you thought about what is it going to do to your life? Like, why is a million more important to you than let's say a hundred thousand? Like how, What's the quality of your life? It's not going to be defined by the extra 900,000 or something. You know, you, you can choose to live in a happy way, you know, without these huge numbers. Obviously, once you reach a specific level, because clearly if, if you're poor and you're struggling for, you know, just paying your rent and eating eating normal food, then of course that that is sort of not a discussion we can have, but. But I find this very, very important. This is where I would also challenge everyone is exactly what you said right now. I think um, that the first question you should ask yourself is what do you actually want to do? And there is never, there is no possibility to answer make a million dollars. That's not something you can, that's not something you can actually do, right? Like a million dollars is just a utility function. It's just literally a construct we invented to evaluate something. It's not something you can actually do. Like you can, you can um, eat something, right? That's something you can do. Or, you, you know, you can be in your apartment. Like there are certain things, like I think the biggest, the biggest mistake of, of the financial system or, or money as a utility is that it's being substituted with the actual need. So if you have the basic need to have shelter or to eat food or to be free, to be able to move, like these are, these are actual relevant basic needs, right? Um, but now it's the thing itself that you that you need that you feel like you need that makes you happy it's not the money the money is just a utility that that we use as a like an intermediate as a trade off to be able to evaluate these different types of things but um i think to ask yourself the question what is the underlying the actual thing that you feel like you want that that makes you happy that that um yeah, that you're drawn towards to, I think if you understand that better, then you are not getting stuck in this thing of 
just thinking about the utility. Because if you think about money only, then there's no ending, right? Because a thousand euros, a 2,000 euros, 5,000 euros, 500,000 euros, like 500,000 euros is just 100 times more than 5,000. But if you look at the underlying, um, does it actually make a change in, in covering your basic needs? Probably not. And I think that's where, where um, it makes a difference where you don't need 10 houses. There's, no, there's nothing in you that is saying like, oh, I need you know, 10 different places to live in. I, you need, you know, uh, you don't need to eat gold. Like there's not, you know, there's, there's nothing really fundamentally in you that is driving towards, um, this. And so I think when you focus on this, this essential, um, this essential attraction of like, what do you want to do? What is the thing that you feel drawn towards? I've rarely met people that really do need money for that. Most of it you can do with pretty few resources. And I think that's pretty amazing because then we can put our resources into advancing um, the course of like growing us basically Um, because you don't need to possess it. You don't need to have a billion dollars that just lie in your bank account. It's just not necessary. Like it's not really bringing anyone further. Right. Yeah, it's so important, uh, really. Yeah, go go ask yourself that question. You know, it's it's such an important question. Hmm. And the thing is, also, I'm not blaming anyone for feeling that way, right? Like I felt that way. I still feel that way in some. I'm I'm scared, man. It's like I think everyone, to some degree, is like I when I when I'm losing money, I'm like the first thing is like, oh, what you know, what if I what if I don't can't uh, fulfill my basic needs anymore at some point it's absolutely absurd but it's a it's a fear that also comes up for me is if like if i lose 10 percent of my net worth i'm like wow holy shit okay what if uh you know what if i go broke um and i mean now i'm in an absolutely luxurious position but you know i it's the same for i i've i've experienced that multiple times is that that people around me amass money for the sake of um, security. So it's like, what if I need this at a later point in time, right? Like, what if I, in 10 years, I want to buy a house with my family? Mm, so now I make, you know, 2 million. So then later I can, I can do whatever I want. What if I want to do that? What if I don't want to work anymore? And it's like, um, my point is i think if you try to if you try to make money just to be able to you know like um take care of every potential situation that you might get in that you might want to do um then this is a never ending chase this is a never ending story of like you might just need 100 million then because what if you want to buy a yacht you know <laughs> like um, what if you want to have three kids and want to have a really, really expensive home? Uh, like, so, so I think, um, my point is what I've realized is that, um, when I put my energy towards the thing I really want to do, then this is the thing I directly want to put my focus on and not try to make money and then try to do that because the energy that is being lost in that process is, 
is absurd. So I, I would suggest to just just take a look at that. And maybe there are things that you want to do right now that you can maybe start, you know, even if it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, start doing it. And then maybe it develops into something or you realize it's maybe not that important. Mm, what a great point. And especially, you know, for everybody who's who's playing poker, it's so much easier to implement that because of course, you know, this, this mentality of, okay, I'm going to do the fun things when I retire it's very common in like a normal career in a nine to five, you have a boss, uh, you know, and you have obligations and you don't see other way. In poker, a lot of people sort of impose on themselves these rigid schedules of, okay, I'm, I'm grinding 60 hours a day or uh, 60 hours a day, unlikely, but a week rather, um, you know, so imposing these schedules that basically constrict what they can do with their life but hey you have the freedom to choose you know and here the question again of how much money is needed for you to fulfill your your dreams if you don't really have any dreams if you don't really have um, any aspirations of what do you want to do with your life you know well that money is is worthless in the end of the day because you know you're more likely to burn out as a poker player and um you know, all the negative parts that, that come uh, with it. Because even if we think about it nowadays, right, with the virus situation, people are locked down, people are at home, nobody's going, well, most people are not going out. Uh, so for poker players, it's something that we're used to, right? It's, it's fine. I mean, I, for <laughs> online poker players, it's like, uh, yeah, I've been social distancing for a while now. It's kind of, you know, I'm used to it. I can, I can coach social distancing if necessary. But the reality is, you know, a lot of people who are now working from home, right? How do they spend their time? Like how, why is all of a sudden Netflix like breaking down because too many people are watching? You know, you have finally the freedom to do whatever you want, you know, in terms of acquiring new skills, acquiring new knowledge. Uh, and yet it's so easy to choose Netflix or, or something else similar like that, you know? And to me, it just goes to show that, you know, poker players been in this sort of social distancing part all their life, all their professional life in a way. And, you know, what were, you know, individuals, individual excuses for these people not to do anything or achieve anything beyond uh, poker, you know, building something that they're interested in. You know, just a thought. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> we're not going to expand on that, but I, I definitely want at least some people to think about it. Like, you know, how do you spend your day and why? You know, it's so easy to just be stuck in a routine of, you know, I have to grind the whole day. Why? Why do you have to do that? I mean, I can, I can speak for myself when, when I watch streams or when I watch Netflix, it's because I'm scared to see what happens when I don't, you know, wow. like what, what happens when, um, I just sit there and I, I think about that stuff. Right. Because I don't see, um, when I watch Netflix or when I watch streams, like I don't see it as relaxing. I see it as distracting. So, I'm, it's like on a bandwidth where I can't really think about something else, but it's also not really engaging me much. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's basically just 
have you tried when was the last time you were sitting in a room like 12 hours with nothing to distract you mm. Mm. can't think of <laughs> a day like that at all i mean not in the room anyway i mean it happens like you know you you're in a hospital or something then yeah you know tough luck but then you probably have bigger things to worry about and that's i i've done that end of last year and it was so difficult but you know what happened is like that there were processes happening in me that i am so grateful for that i experienced them because like boredom is one of the most important drivers of creativity right like when mm. you when you're bored you start thinking You start, it's like, what do I want to do? What can I do? What what do I enjoy? How can I make something out of this situation that gets me forward, right? Then I started taking walks. I started um, drawing something. I started thinking through topics in my life that I haven't, I started thinking about people I haven't thought about in a long time. I started reflecting on top, you know, it, it was, I, I spent time with myself on things that, um, I would never look at if I wouldn't have sat in a room with no internet, no phone for a full day, like four days, you know? So you did so, it four days, four days in a row? Yeah. in so I rented like a small container, basically. Wow. Um, it's like, it's in the wine yards. It's in nature. It's super nice. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to do more of that, like at the end of the year to just do reflection time where i'm just considering different things and um mm. reflecting so that was absolute like for me this was my life is constantly on the wire you know constantly input constantly stuff and then there i was like i realized how powerful it is to to um to not get external input all the time but to center myself again and realize okay let me take a breather let's slow it down and let me see like what's left right like what do i want to do right now without all the distraction and mm. it was crazy because i was so happy in the at first it was scary at first i was like oh my god you know what am i going to do the time is not passing is like and then it was like whew. um very very nice so i think it's very great to implement more of this this calmness this self-centeredness this self-direction as well into our everyday lives Hmm. Wow, I'm I'm really excited to try it out now. I'm probably yeah. gonna freak out. I can imagine how weird this experience would be, but it definitely could be very very enlightening. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna try it out. Um, I see we have so many questions piling up in the chat, so we yeah. better start addressing some of them. We can't probably go through all of them. We have about twenty or so minutes left today, and uh, let's do our best. Mm -hmm. And we'll see where the, you know, side conversations lead us. Um, I think, you know, from all the questions that I see, there's one thing that I want to address as a, as a general thing, because I think your experience is an inspiration for a lot of people, especially the young people of, okay, I can, I can do this. I can get into poker, hard work. I'm going to get there, you know, quitting uni. Uh, just going shooting for the stars, you know, in a way. In, in fact, we, we had um, Chris Moneymaker on the show last week, 
right? And uh, we were discussing with that. Like my opinion was that you know he was he created. Well, it's not my opinion. It's obviously he created the poker boom, the online poker boom, when he won the main event back in 2003. And I told him that I think you've created a new wave of inspiration for people by showing that, you know, the hard work and dedication can get you there. You know, a completely different approach, which is inspiring to a lot of people. So let's address some of the questions related to that first, you know, because I've seen questions in the chat along the lines of, um, I, I would rephrase that actually, right. because I, I think everyone who knows me very well, like most people who know me a little bit think I'm really, really disciplined and hardworking. It's actually, it's funny because it's, you can, I can really see that. There, so from the outside, it just looks like, you know, I'm an absolute, like, I, at least that's what I've, what I've heard a lot of times is, you know, that I just, just went at it over and over and just disciplined and just grinded and just studied played like i'm not that person at all like i love to experiment i love to try out new things i quit a lot of things in my life i've tried you know if if you i tried probably you know a hundred different things and done three things longer than a year so this is the type of person i love to learn new things i get excited by something i get inspired by something and then sometimes it also stops. And um, I think what, what made me really good at poker was the, the passion I had for the game. It was really the, the enjoyment that I felt learning and getting better at the game. And in the, with the different elements, like doing that together with people, but like this whole the process I went through from I was a lost 18 year old college dropout, basically um, being quite depressed and not really like just feeling like I'm worthless to exploring, you know, how I can manage my own life and what I want to do with my life. And, and also realizing that I can shape my environment regarding what I am passionate about. If I follow that, if I pursue that, then the environment shapes. If the energy just flows and flows and flows and flows, everything will come. And um, I think it's the opposite, actually. It wasn't forced. It was the reason I think why I became so successful was because I didn't try to be successful, at least not for a long time. Um, I was just doing it. And then it looked like it is success. But for me, it was just like, man, I woke up. And when I had breakfast, I was on Skype already checking out if anyone posted any new hands because I loved it. You know, and, and when, when I went to bed, I was thinking about the hands I played today and I was dreaming about the hands. And I wouldn't have done that if I wouldn't have loved it. You know, I was loving this process. I, I loved getting better. And so, um, I, I think that is the essence for me is if I would have went in there of like, um, study was the opposite, you know, study, I went in and I had zero passion for it. I was just going in there and I was like, I need to do this now. I need to perform. I need to be successful at it. And it was terrible. It was painful. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to, every time I woke up, I was like, 
it was difficult. I didn't want to wake up. I didn't want to go. I got ill more often. Like it was just a, a pain in the ass. Time went by slow and everything. And then with poker, it was different. So for me, what what I truly took away from that is the end, the the absolute power of of um, what can happen if you pursue that passion and um and let that energy flow and just um how that then will look like like um just disciplined success but for me it was a totally different experience um i didn't feel i forced myself i just felt like i was doing exactly what i wanted to do so um i think that's how i would frame it differently mm. yeah it's great that you brought it up and cleared this up because you know, obviously all the other things that you were talking about also always re revolve around like you need to love what you're doing in order to succeed there. Right. And that was, as I understand, also one of the, uh, you know, catalysts for your decision to retire from poker, because you realize that, you know, this thing that I loved the most, you know, what is required from me to keep going at this high level? I don't enjoy these things anymore. Right. So, of course, you know, for example, when people were asking in the chat, like, what would you recommend a 20 year old or would you recommend a 20 year old to give it all in poker and, uh, you know, go for it, even though it's really tough nowadays. And I suspect your, your answer would be along the lines of if you're passionate about it, if you love it, if that's what you really, truly believe is bringing you joy, then go for it. Right. Be no, go ahead. Yeah. And and I want to add something to that is you don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to have it figured out. Like the most important thing is <laughs> motivational bullshit. I love that comment. Mm -hmm. um, the, the most important um, thing I think is that you don't need to have it figured out right now. There's no reason to lock it down. You know, if you feel like you want to do it right now, do it and if you realize later oh that's enough then you can stop um i think i probably went one or two years beyond that point where i felt like oh i'm actually not enjoying it that much anymore um and i continued because of mostly external reasons financial reasons I had this construct in my mind of, oh, now I'm good. Now I need to make money with it. And the more the more I was following this construct, the more also I went away from enjoying what I did. And then at some point I woke up and I was like, I hate this. I, I was literally, it was like, um, I, I played WSP 216 and I was playing, you know, 13 hours a day for seven weeks straight because I had hundreds of thousands in side bets going and it was like every day was a pain. I woke up and I was like, I don't want to play, but I went playing. Um, and then after it, I was, you know, I, I won all these tournaments, super, super, like 50 times more successful than I thought it would be. And I was burned out. I was like, I don't want to continue this. I don't want to do this. And that was the reason when I've realized this, wow, there's such a big gap between how I feel. So I've been so successful in terms of my goals and my like understanding of success. I've been 
absolutely outperforming, but I feel like shit. So something is wrong. So I need to, I need to make a big shift now. And that's when I just decided like, I need to stop and I need to see, because one thing, um, a big advice I would give is if you can, um, try and you you uns, you want to stop with like you you don't feel comfortable with something try the extreme the other extreme and then find your medium so so let's say um you know you drink alcohol five times a week and then you're like hmm, doesn't feel so good like um i want to drink less then try not drinking for a month or two and you realize the extreme difference between the two ends of the spectrum. And then you can, you know, then you can say like, oh, okay, this was actually one situation where it's fine. And then maybe you, you know, drink once every two weeks um, where it just feels good and the rest you pass. But I, rather than, you know, going from five times a week to like four times a week or like three times a week, and then it's this really slow, long paced process. So that's where it really helped me to go to like, I don't play right now. And whenever I missed it, I was playing. And when I didn't miss it, I didn't play. And that ended up being almost nothing. So then I just didn't play for like till today. Mm. What, a, what an important lesson that is actually, because, you know, what you illustrated is, is so common that, you know, human beings are not good at, feeling the incremental change incremental yeah. difference from day to day so having this contrast of i'm full in on poker and i don't play poker at all puts things in perspective because then you can evaluate you know because of course you know just trying to reduce slowly slowly you, you don't really feel the difference i mean you just adapt so quickly to to the new routine so how how are you gonna so yeah wow that's a great lesson and and that I think also adds on to the question around if I would recommend a 20-year-old to give it all. Um like I think it doesn't need to be the extreme. I've had a lot of these conversations where people tell me they want to be the best. And then I'm like, okay, how do you work? And then they're like, Yeah, I play 20 hours a week and I talk to my friends. And I'm like, okay, um, do you enjoy it? And they're like, yeah, I do enjoy it. And I'm like, then you don't want to be the best. Yeah. And, yeah, so true. and that's, I've, it's literally, it's the same. Um, and the thing is, it's okay. That's my point is like, it's totally fine. But this, this conflicting idea of um, the pressure me and a lot of other people feel um, to be something you know, um, and then the actual thing that you want to do that you enjoy, like that's not the same. It's oftentimes we feel this, like I, I'll talk from my perspective. Oftentimes I feel the thing I want to do isn't good enough. So I'm building an image for when it's good enough, right? So if you just want to play poker 20 hours a week, just have fun and like dabble and be a break even player. Um, that's not something you tell your friends, right? Like it's, what is that? Oh, like you, you lose money with playing poker or like you're addicted or you're a gambler or 
It's like, no, you tell them you, you, whatever you you build this image, this image that you can sell to your surrounding as like something. And, um, I think it's totally fine and totally okay to just explain, like express the thing that you feel good with. It's like, Hey, I enjoy playing poker 10 hours a week just for fun. And, um, that's it. Like, I don't actually really want to be the best. I don't really want to become a top player. Um, great. Like, I think, um, that, that I think is really crucial is to align what you feel like you want to do with what you're actually doing. The more difference there is, the more you will feel that, um, it's the same with jobs. It's with jobs. People work It's like, how much, um, do you do 40 hours a week of like, if you work 40 hours a week, how much of that do you actually want to do? You know? And if the bigger, the difference, the more you'll be frustrated, the more you'll get burned out. Um, that's at least my observation. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm was trying to think of an illustration to that point, but, uh, slipped my mind i had it and then it was gone but uh you know one thing i want to add um not add but sort of reiterate from what you already said is you know it's okay not to aim for the stars it's okay not to try to be the best you know somehow a lot of people who who get in they come with an idea of it's really important for me to be super successful at playing poker Whereas when you go to a conventional career, you don't see too many lawyers or accountants go into the career and say from day one, I want to be the best lawyer in the world. Like it would be pretty weird, right? Some people obviously <laughs> do that, right? But uh, somehow just the competitive aspect of poker puts a lot of people into this winner or loser mentality of, okay, I have to be the winner success means I'm, I'm beating everybody else success means i'm making a lot of money um you know perhaps that's not always good i mean for some people for some personalities that kind of motivation is is definitely a great thing you know competitive feel but for some people it's detrimental you're actually hurting yourself by thinking in these terms it's very i think it very depends on the environment though because oftentimes jobs i think have this connotation of um, they need to pay the bills. Um, whereas poker doesn't really have that connotation so much. Um, and um, sports is again different. So I think you have all these different buckets where, you know, sports can be a hobby, right? And then it's like totally fine. You can just do it for fun. Or if it's professional, then it's a different bucket again. Then there's more expectation around your aspiration, your performance. I mean, poker, I think, is this weird, um, it's a different thing because you have this extra bucket of this super negatively connotated one, which is people lose, you know, all their money, their houses, they're addicted, that that kind of image. And um, so it's in this, it has this shady connection side as well. And I think that's why there's more... Uh, more pressure to create this bucket around it that is you know either more of a job or more in the sport direction 
Um, so I think that's why it's like becoming the best already implies that it's more of a professional sport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, I think why this happens a lot is if you just say like, Oh, I just play poker, you know, 20 hours a week. Um, then the first connotation, mostly at least here in Germany or in Austria is like, okay, this guy is, uh, is not to be taken serious and is probably addicted to gambling. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I see your point and it definitely rings a bell i think uh, that's what happens to to a lot and there is this divide of whether you see it as a job or you see it as a professional sport uh, it's an important distinction fedor how about we try one or two more questions and i'll yeah, let you there. choose you you've seen some of them um there's a lot of topics that people want to cover and unfortunately we don't have time for everything but uh what would you want to talk about i saw questions about your work with uh the mental coach i saw questions mm -hmm. about your work with poker code and what you learned from that experience um many other questions as well but these were just stood out for me <laughs> you you choose Ranchix. it's your all right your podcast uh, whatever all right whatever i think we we talked about the mental game enough already mm -hmm. so let's skip that and let's talk about poker code because that's obviously something a business that you went into a business you've mm -hmm. built so that's a transition from poker and i'm curious to know what you learned from this experience and how that all your experience in poker translate to you know now doing what you're doing there um so poker code Every business I've built so far or was involved in, first thing I've learned and continuously learn again and again is it's always more complex than I think in the beginning. Um, so basically, I'm always underestimating the complexity. And um, the same way I'm constantly underestimating the complexity of life, but um, it's a pattern. So with Poker Code, I have really good partners. I'm very happy about that. So the site and the technical team and the production team and the, um, the operational team. So like, I'm very happy with the people I work together with. Um, and that was really important to me is that it, the product itself is high quality. And, um, yeah, I think, um, my imagination in the beginning was that it runs all, you know, that it's just like, I, I just do it and then everything runs smoothly. And um, it was a bit different where it was way more figuring it out in the process and, and, and learning a lot. It was a lot of learning about things that how, what people enjoy, how they learn. Like I was way, way too much uh, going from myself, right? Like how would I learn? Um, and it's not how a lot of other people would learn and do learn. And that's the biggest learning I've uh, made with poker code is that, um, it's just not enough to just produce a course and like, you know, give it to people and then they learn by themselves. Like it's, it's just not how most people learn. Um, and that's what I've what, why we're developing more into becoming a community is because what I've realized in the process is I really do care about the growth of the people, and then that's when it when it creates relationship, right? So they're 
we are engaging, we're interacting, we're in Slack, we, they post hands, like we give them feedback, we do webinars with them. We've done, you know, a coaching session basically every week for the last week. So it's like a lot of, um, for free. So it's, it's a lot of value, I think, for people um, to engage with us because I think it's the only way people get better. And so right now we're in the middle of, of um, changing the, the company setup, the product as well, to something that is more sustainable, something that helps people grow over a longer term, you know, like figuring out where they want to go and then implementing that into their game. That's, that's what I care about. And um, it's not as simple as just launching a video course and we're in the middle of figuring out and building the product in a way that it's, that it's able um, to do that in the long term. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Mm. But I learned a lot on the way. Wow, sounds sounds really interesting, and people should definitely go check out uh, the site. Um, you know, and and it's funny because you know some people sometimes ask me like, how come you you bring other people who have like a competitive business or something similar on your podcast and talk to them? I don't understand that question. Like to me, there are so many resources. Everybody should go for all the resources. If you're really serious about it, go and try everything and, and find your way, you know? And I think in poker, it's so good to see that so many people sort of bring the community together and, you know, people like yourself who achieved great success, try to put the knowledge back into the community sort of and help other people uh, on, on their way to their success. So it's definitely, definitely great to see that. Um, guys, so many questions. It's incredible. We're going to have, I mean. One last one. Let's let's have one last one. And uh, hopefully Fedor comes back for part two one day and uh, we address some of the questions that you had. And of course, yes. you know, also some of the questions that you had about, about you know, how to study and uh um, how to build your bankroll, et cetera, et cetera. You probably can find answers in some of the other episodes that we did on the show, not with Fedor, but with other <laughs> people who also know their stuff, you know? So let's ask Fedor about, um, it's just the last question that I saw in the chat. What do you want to change, improve and develop outside poker in the world? Mm -hmm. I think it's a big thing. Interesting question. Yeah, it's, it's actually the thing that continuously is forming more and more in my head over the last years is I've, so I basically, the transition I made from poker was more in the entrepreneurship side. So I started investing in companies, um, investing in general, but in that process, I've, I've exactly asked myself that question a lot and, and realized a lot of stuff. And I've realized just again, like just the utility I don't really care about doing something to make more money with it, it defeats the purpose for me because then I'm like, what do I do with more money? It's like, I already, you know, like I don't know where to put it towards to. And um, so it's basically, for me, it's really about what do I care about? And what I actually really care about is um, I care about improving systems. And um, just to make an example is I really care about the educational system, for example. I, what I'm working on right now is, is creating a place where people who are passionate about improving systems share and collaborate and work together and they have a platform 
So a physical location where these projects and these people who work on that come together. So very specifically, that means um, the just a way, like I see so much opportunity for us to improve. You know, it's not that I'm bashing what's existing. It's just more like I see the amazing things we've done in the past and I feel we get stuck too often um, being scared to innovate and to try out new things and to change. So um, whether that's our health system or like um, our nutrition, like nutrition, food, education, um, our decision-making making systems, our political systems, um, some great mechanisms and some that are definitely improvable. Um, and so that's something I really, I really care about. Hmm. Oh, that's, that sounds like a great field to apply uh, your experience, especially like we already talked about, you know, you, you've created something in poker that wasn't common. You've created a system, you've created a way forward. So I hope you find a similar size of impact on some other field uh, outside poker. That would be that would be pretty cool. Would be awesome. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thank you all for participating in the chat. It was it was great. I'm sorry that we couldn't cover all of that. Um, as always, we're gonna have this episode uploaded on YouTube in about you know a week and a half or so. So watch out for that. You're gonna you you will be able to see it on replay, and uh, we'll post all the links to Fedor's social media and all the other stuff uh, in the description. So you definitely can follow him and find out more about the stuff that he's doing right now. And Fedor, what a pleasure it was. So many great topics. I feel like I'm going to watch this episode myself again, <laughs> just because I think some of the things, some of the lessons that you've shared are so deep and uh, so important. I'm so so glad we brought it up for, for all people to see. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. I wish you all a great evening. All right. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to get a regular email from me personally where I share my key takeaways from each latest episode, go to runchexpodcast.com and subscribe to my newsletter. And of course, I would really appreciate if you subscribe to my channel on YouTube and rate my podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform where you normally listen to your podcasts. This really helps.